This episode of BTP Daily is brought to you by K Rico Coffee, man. One of the best coffee places you can go to. And they're also selling coffee for everyone all over the place. But it's nice to have some coffee at home. It's also nice to have some coffee somewhere else. But it's also tremendous to go have some over at K Rico Coffee. For those of you that live down in South Florida, definitely a place you want to go to. It's over at 2728 Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood. And uh, you will enjoy it. JR and the gang have some tremendous coffee, have some tremendous types of coffee recipes and all this other good stuff that you will definitely enjoy. But more what you will enjoy, other than the coffee, let me be completely honest with you on this one, is the people. You go in there, you chat, they talk. What a concept, right? People talking nowadays face-to-face and uh, you know, actually caring about what you say and no need to really look at your cell phone in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, K-Rico Coffee gives you that more human experience, that human touch, because they care so much about their craft, but they also care so much about making you, the consumer, happy with your cup of coffee. Whatever type of coffee you might like, everybody has different tastes, everybody has different likes, K-Rico Coffee has it for you. K-Rico Coffee, it's the people that make coffee good. has been around for about 20 plus almost 30 years with Boca Juniors if there's a person that the players the staff and the executives of Boca Juniors really depend on blindly it's it's a driver and it was sad to hear his story after everything that occurred in what was going to be the first leg of the Copa Libertadores or actually the second leg of the Copa Libertadores final I should say Hearing him say, you know what? I got knocked out. You know, he he, he talked about driving through pretty much a war zone. He said an army was pretty much waiting for him. Waiting for that bus to come by. And and they they pelted the bus with rocks and all types of projectiles. Of course, somebody was able to even throw some tear gas into the bus. And that's when things got crazy. It, It seemed more of an action movie than an actual drive to a game it seemed something out of money heist or any of the other series that are quite filled with drama and and, and these intense chase scenes that can occur throughout you know a series or a movie that's what it seemed like one of those rocks pierced through it shattered the glass that el gringo was sitting next to when he was driving that bus another rock comes and hits him in the head knocks him out cold At least for a few seconds. Now think of what's happening here. Visualize this for a second. A bus driving and the bus driver is knocked out unconscious. Fortunately, one of the vice presidents of Boca Juniors was able to jump out of his seat. Grab the steering wheel and control it enough. Because if not, that bus was going to be going right into a, a multitude of fans. Didn't matter who it was, but that's the direction they were going. If not... We could have been talking about a very tragic situation where people would have been dead, injured, and God knows what else. He was able to regain consciousness. 
He said, I just saw the rocks coming in. I don't remember anything else. And all of a sudden, I wake up again. I reach my hands out, grab the steering wheel as, as firmly as possible, and I drive in. And it looked weird when Boca's bus was driving into the El Monumental. When, El Monum when he, they went in, it just looked hurried. It looked and quite obvious. There was players that were suffering from shards that had pierced through their skin. A couple of players had a couple of shards that went into their eyes. And even some had to be dealt with, with as far as tear gas was concerned. Fernando Gago talked about him having to take medication because he was getting an allergic reaction to the tear gas that he had just inhaled. Carlos Tevez was vomiting all over the place. There were several players that were affected. But not, according to the eyes of Carmel, no, that's fine. It wasn't, you know, wasn't bad enough. Let's go out there and play. But then again, that's Carmel for you. Then again, that's how South American football has been. Let's not point the finger at Carmel alone. There's a lot of guilty culprits in this one. Oh, you know, you better start using other people's fingers in order to point the blame. Let's go back a few years, 2002. When some fans of San Lorenzo started throwing rocks at a, at a player from Bolivar. We even, let's even go further back. Let's even go way further back. For those of you that that might not be familiar with Bolivar, but you're sure as hell familiar with Celtic. 1968. Goalkeeper for Celtic goes out into the pitch over in Avellaneda. Fans are throwing rocks. One actually hits him, splits his head open. What happens? Celtic has to play with the backup goalkeeper. 1968. I'm talking about and using a reference for the past to talk about the present. Of course, I also mentioned 2002. I can also mention, I think it was 2010 when Independiente won the Copa Sudamericana, but they won it with a few months before having to play Defensor Sporting with a goalkeeper that had his head split open. And they did not want to risk being eliminated from the competition by walking out. Yet their goalkeeper, their head, or his head, was split open. He still had to play Independiente wins. They ended up winning the Copa Sudamericana. Sao Paulo. Win the Copa Sudamericana as well. How do they do it? Of course, they're at the Morumbi. Police, military police from Brazil start harassing Tigre. Tigre says they do not want to play. I say, okay, no problem. Sao Paulo is a new champion. Sao Paulo win by forfeit. They raise the trophy in front of their fans. Everybody's happy. At least all everybody that was there was happy. Of course, we go back to the famous pepper gas incident at La Bombonera. Match is canceled. So based on that, why shouldn't this match be canceled? Now, I'm, I'm not saying it should or it shouldn't. I'm just saying based on the precedent, should it not be? Let's, let's look at it from that perspective. But yet Conmebol was telling Boca today that they had to play. They were telling River that they had to play. And let's look at the River perspective too. Because these players are confused as well. They're like, wait, what's going on? Why, why do we have to play? Where, where are we going to go? How are we going to be able to win this game? And, you know, be legitimate champions. Although their plight might not be the most legit as well knowing that there's a player on their squad that played in, that was taking part in seven matches while he was still suspended 
Now, the answer from Alejandro Dominguez, the president of Commonwealth, is, well, you know what? Our archives are in Spain. We can't access them, so we have no idea who's suspended or who's not suspended. Those are his actual words. It wasn't me making them up. I might have paraphrased, but the idea was there. He actually said that in an interview. He actually said that they did not know if a player was suspended or not based on fact alone that their archives were lodged away somewhere in Spain. So you have a player that's played in seven matches illegally. You have a coach that kind of thumbed his nose at authority and said, nope, you know, he thought he was Robin Hood and decided, mind you, give him credit because if it weren't for Marcelo Gallardo, that match would have been played today. So give credit where it's due, but also have to criticize the way things were managed in certain aspects as well. Also, keep in mind that the team that was suspended happened to be Santos for playing a player that was ineligible. Now, where do you see the logic in all this? Well, yeah, it's Copa Libertadores. It's South American football. At its best. Or should I say at its worst. Because that's what it's actually become. And that's the reality that many have to face now. Because the Barra Bravas are not only just a hindrance or a cancer amongst football. They're a cancer amongst society. Because not only do they generate money through being able to scam, being able to steal, being able to extort from clubs that have supported them blindly. But now they're involved in other industries. I mean, everything from from money laundering to the drug trafficking trade, everything else that's gone on in Argentina, a lot of it has to do because of the enablement of the Barra Bravas. All of this is occurring because of that. And also because of the ineptitude of the leadership. And also because of the presidents that have turned a blind eye in the past. And also the, the governance that has turned a blind eye in the past as well. Let's not forget. You know, people can talk about Mauricio Macri. They can also talk about Christina Kirchner as well. But both of them have had a lot of fault in this. Of course, Mauricio Macri, when he was the president of Boca Juniors, he allowed a lot of these attitudes from Barra Bravas. And of course, it became uncontrollable and he had to learn to deal with it more than anything else instead of trying to really end it and eradicate this culture. And instead, he's seen it grow to a point where it's pretty much become unstoppable. Christina Kirchner, alongside her husband, her husband, her husband, that decided to start an NGO, a non-governmental organization, for Barra Bravas to be able to go to World Cups and all types of matches around the world to be able to support the Argentine national team. Huh? While good, hardworking people of Argentina, whatever else they are, they have to pay their way. But not the Barra Bravas. So now, when you give them an inch, they take a mile. <laughs> they, they, they weren't satisfied with the foot. They're, they're taking a mile. Now they demand tickets. Now they demand going to games. Now they demand merchandising and parking revenues and image rights and branding, believe it or not. Some in the past decade or so have become so clever that they've decided to go and start creating seminars to go abroad and teaching other Barra Bravas how to ply their craft in other countries. Amazing, ain't it? So, as much as I, I mean... I love what Carlos Puyol put out there. I love what Iker Casillas put out there. But it sounds innocent to a certain extent. And, and I totally get it. 
because they're coming from a sensical, they're, they're coming from a very sensible and, and, and commonsensical place where logic reigns supreme. But you know what's the biggest problem? Once you end up living in a land where everything is backward and logic no longer exists, you emerge out of that filled with cynicism, with skepticism, and a lot of sarcasm. I think that's where it's happened. Because I remember mentioning it a couple of weeks ago where I didn't feel that this Copa Libertadores was going to be as great a Copa Libertadores final as many looked at it. Yes, on the pitch it was great. But you know what? There was always still that one question mark lying around that made me doubt whether this was going to come out this way. And it unfortunately has. And to me personally, at this point, I don't really give a damn who ends up winning this. I've lost complete interest. As far as I'm concerned, they could have just given the trophy to River. It would have been just about the same to me. I stopped caring. I stopped giving a shit. There's no other play. There's no other way. Just no other possible way I could do it based on what's happened. Now, why would I say that? Quite simple. Because they were forcing a situation. The administration was forcing. And I've gone into the governmental part. Now let's go into the carnival part and everything that's gone on. AFA. Chiki Tapi, the president of AFA, vice president of Conmebol, had to be lured in for the second meeting. Mind you, he was there and he had some issues parking his car and all that other stuff. But you know what? What's frustrating even more so about this is the fact that he was nowhere to be found when a decision had to be made. Alejandro Dominguez, the president of Conmebol, talk about the new Conmebol and how Conmebol's going to change and how we're looking for great things out of this. When it came time to make a decision, he was nowhere to be found. Well, he, physically, he was there. He was in the middle of it. But mentally, he was out of it. So much so that Johnny Infantino, who happened to be a special guest, Don Garber, the president of MLS, all these other people that are looking <laughs> along the wings and seeing all this unfold, like, I don't know. I'd like, to, I would love to have been a fly on the wall there. Seeing how Johnny Infantino was demanding an answer, so much so that he went out with the media and said, I demand somebody to step up and, and, and give me an answer as to what's going on. I want someone responsible here. So much so that Johnny Infantino himself had to step in. And be able to give a response and gave a reply and give everything to something that's out of his jurisdiction. The leadership you're telling me? It's easy to go out during a draw and say, hey, this is going to be great. This is going to be fine. This is going to be excellent. It's easy to go in a photo op and take a picture and talk about how great things are going. It's easy to go in and have to deal with people talking about, hey, we're having profits and new TV rights and new TV deals and this and that and the other. That's the easy part. That's the glamorous part. That's the part everybody wants to do. But when it comes down to things like this, <laughs> it, it just looked like a comedy show. Daniel Angelisi was, was, despite him saying no, there were reports that were saying that he was being forced into playing today. If he did not play, 
he, or Boca Juniors, I should say, would have ended up being suspended five years. He'll deny that, but there were reports that were saying that, and there were people that confirmed that that was said, and that the conversation did occur. But Alejandro Dominguez, nowhere to be found. And this was a couple of notches below his pay grade. This is not what he get. This is what he was elected to do, and came up rather shortly. And, and what's even more questionable, it's this is the guy that everybody in Conmebol wanted in. This is the guy that everybody in Conmebol wanted to be president. After, of course, Nicolas Leos was in jail, and Juan Angel Apud, who's been in jail, and. Everybody knows what Alejandro Dominguez and his family have been about in Paraguayan society for over 40 years. That, to me, is the most preoccupying thing. The leadership of Conmebol really showed their true colors today. Really showed that they wanted to play this... It didn't matter how. Because Johnny Fantino said it had to be played today. But at the end of the day, when River said, no, we're not playing, then they found themselves in a situation where we can't suspend both. We can't kick both out. We can't have no winner because that ends up killing our TV revenue. That ends up killing our TV rights going down the road. So they had to give. And that's why the match maybe will be played on Sunday. Just maybe. Why? Because now the stadium is locked up. The stadium is is barred from having any competitions. Of course, that that's kind of a loose term. I'm I'm using that loosely. Of course, that can change in the span of hours when when River end up paying a fine and, and being able to fulfill certain requirements. That can end up you know being looked over. But for the time being, who knows if the match can be played? Let's let's try and be a little bit loo- loose as far as. The interpretation of this, the match most likely will be played tomorrow because of that. But it really brings up a lot more question marks as to what we're dealing here with, what the leadership of football and the direction that the sport is going into. We can also look at it from another perspective and kind of opening up that that diagram, if you will, and, and making the outline a little bit more extensive and branching out wider and wider into other questions is what is the priority of of leadership in football and it's quite evident that it's about money and only the money we can even talk about the argentine players union because they never even said a word they never even said a word to protect the rights and protect the interests of their own members now how worrying is that I, mean, I could go on for hours and hours and hours talking about this, but this is this is what this has devolved into or, or degenerated into. That is what Argentine football, that is what football in general has fallen into. The new carnival, the new FIFA, the new this, the new that. And to be honest with you, the more things have changed, the more they've stayed the same. Glad to be back today in La Liga. Well, it looks like between May 8th and May 11th, teams will start coming back. But, but, now I should end that but with a bit more emphasis. 
the Players Association, of course, is looking for guarantees. David Aganzo, the president of that association the other day, talked about how there needs to be better guarantees, especially in terms of the health of the players. Today, they came out and said, okay, what happens in the protocols in terms of players? If a player gets infected, what is going to happen? Of course, there's a lot of things that are going on. And that's been one topic that has not been talked about a lot in terms of the COVID-19 plan to return to some sort of normalcy after the lockdown has occurred in Spain. That's one of the things that has occurred. But one team for sure that's ready and raring to go is Athletic Club. They've already announced that they will start testing players or at least looking to test players once the tests are made available to the team. They're looking to start around May 8th, of course, on Monday, excuse me, on Tuesday and Wednesday, they're looking to get started. Maybe start practicing on Wednesday, depending on how things go. But they're one of the first teams that have announced that they're ready and raring to go. And they're looking for a lot of support from their club and, of course, from the authorities in the Basque Country to be able to give the green light to finally get started in their retraining or, I guess, their pseudo preseason for the stretch run in La Liga. Arturo Vidal, is he staying? Is he going? Well, he could be one of the pieces that's coming through in the Lautaro Martinez deal. Inter the other day just made sure that he would be actually given a price tag and you start looking at what Lautaro Martinez meant to enter in the attacking front so much for that Mauri Cardi ended up going to PSG on loan maybe he'll end up going there on a permanent basis so of course it's not going to be a very easy or accessible price tag for any team that's willing to get him especially football club Barcelona so that's going to be very interesting to look at but Inter or Inter as an Inter Miami, because he, Arturo Vidal, is also one of those names that's being mentioned in circles in Major League Soccer in order to get to Miami to be that star power, that, that main attraction for the pink and white in their inaugural season. Of course, they've only played two matches so far, have lost both. That's, of course, before action was stopped in that league due to the COVID-19 protocols that were installed by Major League Soccer and, of course, by the U.S. government. If Arturo Vidal does in fact go to Inter, does he get accompanied by Diego Simeone? Doesn't look like it, at least for now. Because Enrique Cerezo, the president of Atletico Madrid, he ended up confirming, hey, you know what? Cholo Simeone is staying until 2022. Will there be an extension? Well, that's still left to be seen. So it looks like Simeone will fulfill his contract and will remain the boss, the heart and soul, the executor of Cholismo in Colchonero land. So we'll see how that ends up playing out, especially next season when you have a team that's going to be looking very sharp or looking sharper and with a better idea after a very disappointing league season. Not the Champions League so far, that's been a different story. And finally, Alvaro Adriosola, his destiny seems to have been pretty much decided as he didn't play for Bayern Munich when he was on loan from Real Madrid. So all signs pointing, actually not all signs pointing, everything has been confirmed pretty much by Bayern. They're not going to extend an option to purchase the Spanish fullback. And you know what? He didn't play. He couldn't contribute. He couldn't do his thing. What can I tell you? That's going to happen. That's part of the thing with Bayern. It's a very different situation compared to Madrid, but there is a sort of pressure. There is a system in place. There is a need for consistency, and there's a need to understand that there will be competition both at right back 
and at left back and Adirosola wasn't able to cut the mustard there so he'll be returning to Real Madrid very very shortly ladies and gentlemen that's been it for today thank you so much for watching of course make sure you subscribe make sure you press that little bell I always would appreciate that always give me a good thumbs up and see what's up leave me comments man let me know what you want let me know what you want to talk about I'm not only going to be doing La Liga I'll be doing a lot of other things make sure you're checking it out make sure you're checking me out over on Twitter over on Instagram and of course on the different platforms on television that you will also be seeing me throughout the world so make sure you're checking it out okay talk to you later ciao